Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Poetry Corner Podcast. This is your host, Matt Foster, for all those who didn't know. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, tonight I'm joined by a very special guest. That's right. I have the lovely Miss Asandra Smith in the building tonight. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's get into the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Poetry Corner Podcast. I'm joined by a very special guest, author, and fellow poet, the lovely Miss Asandra Smith. Welcome back to the Poetry Corner Podcast. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. Just getting settled after a lot of errand running. Um, I know we discussed a lot off mic, you know, uh, about uh, our day and everything. So I hope you're doing well. I hope, you know, everything is going good for you and everything like that. And that you had an awesome holiday and an awesome new year. Um, Because a lot of people have been asking me, what are your new year's resolutions? What are your new year's resolutions? And my my thing is (laughs) just write more poetry and really uh, get things going with the podcast and everything like that. But have you yourself decided on a New Year's resolution, and what are your resolutions? So, honestly, I don't do New Year's resolutions for two reasons. I consistently incorporate change all throughout the year. So I'll make goals, but no real resolutions. See, I like. I have a, a goal book that I put down all of my goals for each month, and we actually do that through the nonprofit. We have our goal planning meeting on Saturday, so each month we have different goals that we that we achieve throughout the year. That's pretty awesome. I like that. I like that. You know, I I think that people need to incorporate that. You know, um, change. You know what I mean? As we get older, you know, and we age by time, and time goes by days weeks, hours, seconds, months. It doesn't just consist of one day throughout an entire year. You know what I mean? So I think that um, it's good that you don't believe in resolutions. And I dropped a podcast episode, New Year's Eve, I believe. And I spoke about that same situation. I said, hey, you know, um, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. You know what I mean? I I believe... um, in New Year's solutions. I, I believe in um, just making it happen. You know what I mean? I don't believe like, all right, you know, I'm going to make a resolution, you know, to get in shape, get in the gym or write more poetry or do this or do that. You know, I'm going to make it a a, 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 def, a definitive, a definitive, you know, plan to make it happen, a definitive goal. I mean, not a definitive plan because people talk about plans all the time. But if you're not going to, you know, act on the plan is just a wish. It's not no longer a plan. You know, it's a wish. So I made a definitive plan. I mean, goal to make a lot of this stuff I'm doing now with the website, the podcast, um, starting a Tumblr account, expanding my business, you know, really pursuing my dreams and my goals. Like, I love how you touched on that, you know, in you know, a few minutes ago, as far as making it a, you know, everyday process, it's not just a one day resolution, because people what they do is they fall back on their resolutions. And they'll 
fall back maybe a day or two and then forget about it the rest of the year and then here New Year's Eve rolls around and then they make another commitment that they don't stick to, you know? So I, I'm glad that you touched on that subject right there. I think goals are a lot better for me because they're not as much pressure. Um, I always say you can change the plan, but the end destination or the end goal is going to be set. So once you make that goal, if you haven't created a plan, you can create a plan in the process. So that helps. Even with Grace and myself, I know that, okay, I've set a goal for August that I'm still with as far as like weight loss goals and health goals. I set a goal for August. I'm working on it now. And even when I start working on anything that has to do with health and wellness, the first thing that I start working on is what time I wake up in the morning. So I'll set my alarm clock for six o'clock. Even if I don't get out of bed, I'm mentally preparing my body. At six o'clock, you're going to be getting up. <laughs> then the next week is okay. Actually, get up and you need you need to be at the gym by seven o'clock. So I just make those little changes, knowing that by August, some type of progression is going to be made in that area that I've set that goal in. So small steps for a big goal. Amen. Amen. I I highly agree on that one, Cassandra, because. It was mid-December, and it was like a couple days before we did the this very first podcast episode we did together, and I was just writing down goals. You know what I mean? I was like, I want to start a website. Um, I wanted to expand uh, my podcast professionally. I do want to seek you know, uh, advertisement for it. I want to seek sponsorship. And I'm building toward that goal, you know, and I said by June, I want this podcast to be taken off. You know, I want to, you know, start working on publishing a book. And for all my OG listeners, I was working on a project called A Rose for You. And I wasn't realistic about my goals when I first started the project. And I can admit that now I act a little hastily on that one. And I put out the promo for it, made the cover art and everything and threw it out there. And I didn't act on the goals of going about how I was going to make this happen. I didn't um, have any actual plan, any goal in mind. I just said, hey, I'm going to publish this book. And I made the mistake of telling everybody before I could even work on it, edit it, have, you know, a um, professional publisher. Um you know, do uh, sell my books for me in the stores and all that. I didn't, I didn't have any of that, you know? So I think now I'm learning, especially, like I said, mid-December, uh, I wrote all that down on what I plan to do in this year. And it's slowly but surely happening little by little. And um, it definitely did not come from a new year's resolution. And it just came from writing down goals and really training myself hey, this is what you're going to be doing this day. This is what you're going to be doing that day. This is what you're going to be doing this day. I have it marked on my calendar, my Google calendar, everything that I have planned for the entire month of January. Even work, <laughs> you know, I have that, you know, schedule incorporated into uh, my daily activities for January. So I loved how you touched on that. You know, you got to definitely train yourself. You know, being a poet, especially being a writer, you know, it's not easy to sit down and write any of this poetry. You know, everybody think that it just comes from the human mind, the human imagination, just out of the blue. No, it literally requires you to train yourself in literature arts and uh, in literary arts, I mean, I should say, 
to sit back and write a poem or a haiku or just a um, even a limerick, you know what I mean, can take some time to write because if you're not trained in the in the aspect or in that art, then um, it'll definitely take some time. So you got to train yourself. You got to train yourself. You got to train yourself. Like, hey, I got to be up and ready by six o'clock, you know, to be out the door for work by eight o'clock, you know, especially if you know your morning constitutionals, you know, you, you get in the bathroom, use the bathroom at like 630 in the morning or 615, you brush your teeth out the, uh, out the shower and all that by 630, have a pot of coffee by uh, 645, you're done with your coffee at seven o'clock, 715, and um, you're out the door by like 730, you know, on your way to work, you know, or you have to leave an hour early, depending on how far you are from your job. So I, I like that, you know, you're incorporating these small changes to build towards your weight loss goal. And it's definitely going to pay off come June, most definitely, most definitely. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. And one other thing is basically when you're going through those goals is to understand your weaknesses. Because with writing, being an author, writing my music, writing poetry, one thing that I have to realize is... What's going to distract me while I'm doing this? And, and even with the revision process, with writing my book, I, re, I had to revise this book at least five to six times because I wanted to put a very good product out on the market. And I'm just like, you got to take the time to go through it line by line, detail by detail. You need to take other people's opinions. Let people proofread, see if they understand what you're trying to say. Do you need to incorporate more details? And that was hard for me because I don't like people to re-edit what I've done because I want my book to sound like me. I don't want it to sound like anyone else. I want it to, to sound like me. When you talk to me and you've read the book, you understand the language. So that was really hard for me to do at the moment. But just incorporating that discipline to know that you have to get a great product to put out there to the readers or to the listeners, that was just a whole different phase in itself. But understanding my weaknesses, that I didn't want people to edit my book, but I had to do that to make a, make a great product. So that's something that you know we just have to keep in mind as writers, as authors, as poets, as creatives, period. You know, you have to kind of kind of depend on other people's opinions as well or ask for help when you need help to to make sure that you're putting out something that's good for others exactly and on that aspect is is called originality you know when you want your book to sound like you when you want your album to sound like you when you want you know uh your podcast to sound like you when you want uh um Anything that you're promoting, you want it to be originally you. It was written by you. If you're a screen, a, a playwright, if you're a screenwriter, if you're an actor or actress, you like if it comes from you, you want the world to know that it comes from you. You know what I mean? But sometimes like what I've learned dealing with professional publishers, a lot of them have proofread, proofread a lot of the poetry I've read. And sent it back to me and like it was like um, commas where commas weren't usually placed, hyphens where hyphens weren't placed, periods where periods weren't placed. And I was like, hey, man, don't be out here changing my, 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 my masterpiece. You know what I mean? But it has to look as professional as possible in and it's, order for. And it's hard for a creative to take their hands off of their project. So that was that was very difficult for me. That was very difficult. 
Oh, yeah. But I, I will admit that with the edits, it did make everything sound better and look very, very, very professional. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, I was just about to touch on that subject right there. And uh, because if it doesn't sound professional, you know, you don't have a lot of these uh, A&Rs or you don't have a lot of um, studio producers mixing, mastering a lot of these soundtracks. Imagine what hip hop and R&B or jazz would sound like if it wasn't mixed and mastered and it was just, you know, created by the artist and thrown on the radio. You'd be like, um, what is this? noise you know like it sounds like someone's singing in the far distance are in they are they in the studio itself or are they outside you know and in exactly. just that you know a uh, little bit of like maybe four to five minutes of them mixing and mastering your audio can make a huge huge worlds of a dis of, of a difference when it comes to, you know, a lot of your art, and I know how it feels to sit back and have publishers, you know, or have producers look at your stuff, because like when I first published my first episode on the podcast, they was like, they, they I had a reviewer go over my first podcast audio, uh, audio recording and to see if it was, you know, if it sounded properly. And then it was like, well, you might want to go back and change this, change that, you know, try to slow down when you speak, you know, really lay it on to the listeners, you know, what you're trying to uh, convey, you know, to the audience and stuff like that. And I was like, I felt so offended at first, but I understood where they were coming from. Mm-hmm. And that takes a big person and to understand your craft and to want your craft to improve. So we have to take that criticism and build on it. Because I'm telling when I tell you I was so scared about giving my book to somebody, I'm like, they're gonna change all of my workers. <laughs> and they were people that I knew and who knew me very, very well. But even with just giving it to someone that I knew very well, I'm just that I just know that they were just gonna chop up my book. But it, it came out very, very great. It um I, I learned a lot with that lesson with releasing control on projects and letting people be who they are and put their craft in it so that my craft can expand. So it helped me to also just implement some teamwork and some trust. I had some trust issues when it comes to creativity and letting people review my work, my poetry, review my music. I'm like, well, I want it to sound like that. I, I want that slur to be there. They're like, no, that needs to be a whole note. You need to breathe here. You need to make sure that you're pushing out this word. And I'm like, goodness, okay. <laughs> what i need to do okay and so when i went back i was like i do need to push that word a little more okay i i do have a little tang in my voice there and so the people in other countries might not understand what i'm saying there so i I need to fix that as well so the criticism really helped me to just you know be able to create some really good products exactly exactly and it's like i said it's working with the team because when you're getting a lot of your art out there, it's more than just you. You know what I mean? It's your whole team. You know what I mean? It's your producers. It's, you know, the DJs. It's the A&R. It's uh, the, the record label owner and everything like that. And it might sound good to you. It might sound good to those who grew up around you. You, you know, it might sound good to your family and friends. But to the rest of the world, it might sound like, all right, you know, 
I don't understand their accent. You know, um, I don't understand what they're trying to convey in the song because, you know, they they skipped a word. They skipped a note or two or this note seems off. And like you'll be uh, sorry, I got tongue tied there. You'll be in the studio wondering why you have to re-record and re-record and re like a lot of my friends who are rappers. You know, they all sit back and be like, man, I was in the booth for like four or five hours. I said, yeah, seems accurate. And they don't they don't expect to be in the studio 12 hours. And that's what a lot of these rappers don't tell these new artists. You're going to be in there for just one song for 12 hours. And a lot of them talking about I would never do a 12 hour shift. Well, when you record music, ha, you might be in there 24 hours. Who knows? You know, who knows? Because you have to have so when you're doing something you love, that that time passes by. I've been in the studio for days, so um, that time passes by so fast. Oh yeah, like I was just about to touch on that subject right there. Like when you're doing something you love, you can be in the studio seventy two hours. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, you you just might get hungry, order you know some DoorDash or something like that, and you never left the studio. They go outside and you look at your watch or your phone. You're like, well, I went in there and, on Monday. It's 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 Thursday already, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, but it has to sound good. You know what I mean? So when it comes to poetry, it's the same thing. You know, I might send out one of my poetry pieces. Um, I have something I wrote, uh, a piece I wrote literally maybe two, three days ago. I wrote literally two, three days ago called sunrise serenity. And I published it on my YouTube channel. And, um, I have the written form, which is the verbal form, and I have the actual recorded audio form format, and I have it up on the YouTube channel, and someone who is a record producer might hear my poetry piece and be like, well, you need to pause here, you need to breathe there, you know, and someone who is a writer might look at the literary form the, or the literature format and be like, well, maybe if you space out this you know, paragraph and you throw in a hyphen there, throw in a comma there, you know, throw in an exclamation mark there, or, you know, add a period here, it'll sound, it'll look perfect. You know what I mean? And it's just those, those are just small touches that really completes art. And a lot of people think that it's easy. It's not easy. You know, now speaking about, you know, music and poetry, what do you have coming up for 2023? So creativity is uh, um, seem to be a word for tonight. With my music that's actually in my book, I will be releasing on the eighth day, because my book was actually released on the eighth, on the eighth day of each season or each quarter. So I finally finalized that. I do have it recorded, but I have allowed some people to listen to it. I want to make some changes. They want to make some changes, and we want to go in a different direction. So the first song will actually be released on March the 8th. So I am very, 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 very excited about that. So the first song that's going to be released is Freedom. And it's a song that I have dedicated to my favorite oldest daughter. That's what I call. I only have two children. But I call them both my favorite. My favorite oldest and my favorite youngest. <laughs> so hey, um, going to be releasing Freedom. And I'm really excited about Freedom. Freedom is one of my favorite songs. And um, I'm just excited about that. I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. What's the name of this uh, project? Or uh, have you not decided on a name just yet? Or are you just keeping it under wraps until you're ready to really uh, reveal it to the world? Well, 
Well, if you in the book, it's already in the book. So the lyrics are released. The song just isn't released. So it's called Seasonal Sounds, and it's the soundtrack to Unattached the Final Season. And it has four songs, which is um, Changes, Freedom, Love Fight, and Lifetime. So each one of the songs is actually dedicated to a different person. Like I said, my song Freedom is dedicated to my oldest daughter, um, Changes, which is the poem that I had done before. It is dedicated to my son that passed away. A Love Fight is dedicated to my youngest daughter. And then Lifetime is dedicated to my future forever. Amen. Amen. You know what I mean? And I love the fact that you have a track for each and every individual that's either in your life and you've even written one for the child you lost. That has to be the most hardest thing to do. You know what I mean? The hardest thing to do, you know, is to write a track for someone that you really loved and you really cared about, you know, um, I was listening to Styles P's oldest album called A Gangster and a Gentleman. And on a track, uh, I mean, a track on that album is called My Brother. And my cousin Greg played that song, and RIP to my cousin Greg, uh, he played that song when his friend Will passed away. And I never knew that uh, Styles P wrote it for his actual brother. You know, I thought he wrote it for a friend, you know, but it was actually, you know, dedicated to his brother, Gary. You know, he lost, you know, right when he was recording that album. So it's never easy, you know, to do that. So I know that took a lot of, you know, courage and strength and and a lot of heart to, you know, do that. And the fact that you devoted a song also to your future forever, like, wow, you know, that's awesome. You know, in today's society, I was just telling a friend earlier today that it seemed like everybody want to be single. You know what I mean? Everybody wants to be single and live their best life, you know, with without the possibility or hope of finding a mate to spend the rest of their lives with. Like, you know, they, everybody think they're going to travel the world and find this forever happiness that is so far out of reach. It's hilarious. You know what I mean? Because that's a fairy tale, you know, and you can have, huh? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry about that. No, but uh, it's a fairy tale that, you know, that so many people have been lied to. Social media has lied to so many people and you can still have that, you know, that travel lifestyle, that happy lifestyle with someone in your life that's very special, that's meant to be in your life and you're meant to be in theirs. You know, I was telling a friend earlier, if you think you're bad all by yourself, you know what I mean? Imagine, imagine when God brings someone special into your life, how far y'all go together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, it's heartbreaking to me. Every time I am on social media or I hear people say, oh, well, I'm just going to live my best life or I'm just going to be single forever or I ain't messing with them no more. I'm just going to be ratchet or I'm just going to do this or do that. It is so heartbreaking to me. And I literally tell them, like, you really want to cancel love because something happened tragic in your life? Do you know how valuable love is? I, I, I always say this. Love is my first language beyond any color, beyond any race, any religion, beyond anything. I speak love. I don't care what it is. 
So I have put it in my mind and I try to encourage people as well who've been through different situations. I don't care what the situation was, never lose sight of love because when you have self-love and you love yourself, we're going to naturally want to love other people. So we should want to have somebody in our lives. And if you do make that choice not to, don't do it out of bitterness or anger or because of situations that happened in the past. Do it because that's a personal choice, not because of hurt, you know. But personally, yes, I am. I mentally go ahead and set my life up as if my future forever is already with me. And my friends kind of laugh at me from time to time. They be like, girl, who was you talking to? I'm like, oh, I was having a moment with my future forever. <laughs> you know, I was just having a moment because I, I'm already I'm manifesting them in my life. I've already created time in my busy schedule for them. Like, how can I incorporate someone else in my life? And I'm it just, like I said, it just saddens me when people just really forget about love. And that was another reason that I wrote this book for the world. Because I just really want people to understand it's a journey. And it's a journey you don't have to give up on. You can still be your best version of yourself with someone else. Exactly. And I agree. And you said something earlier and it really, you know, touched, it touched my mind. You know what I mean? And it spoke to my heart because it was like, have we come that far as a society that we tried to cancel love itself? Mm -hmm. The one element on the human periodic table, on the elemental periodic table that humans cannot understand nor fathom, we trying to cancel love itself? No, first off, God is love itself. And, exactly. and he gives love to every last one of us. And his commandment is that we love each other. So how is it that we're going to be single forever? First off, you ain't going to live forever. You know, I don't know why you talking about I'm going to be single forever. You out here living forever? Teach me the secrets. Like, I, like what are you? And you like, you want to be 35 forever? Teach me the secrets. I need to know what's up. Listen, I want to be 35 forever. Listen, you know what I mean? None of us are immortal. Life is not promised. You know what I mean? Tomorrow is not promised at all to no man, no woman. You know, so when God sends someone special into your life, you, you got to enjoy that. And we got to stop. All right, I'm going to be honest. We got to stop treating relationships as if they're a burden, marriages as if they're a burden, children as if they're a burden. Yes. Yes. Say that again for the people in the back because I don't think they heard you. We got to stop treating relationships as a burden. We got to stop treating marriage as a burden. And we got to stop treating children as a burden. First off, your legacy, your last name is carried through your children. For all these people, all like all these young men and women, I'm never having kids. I spoke to a few co-workers about a week ago. And I was like, you know, uh, have you uh, have you guys ever thought about um, having kids or anything like that? And they're like, I'm never having kids. You tripping. Nah, I'm, I'm going to be single, you know, without kids for the rest of my life. Or I would be like me and my man or me and my woman. We ain't having no kids. They they are disgusting. Like. First off, you weren't discussing as a little baby pooping and crying and peeing everywhere. Exactly. Being a pain in your grandmom and your grandpops behind or your auntie, and your uncles or your mom and dads or your brothers and sisters. Like you, you weren't a baby at once. You just came born into a world as a grown man or woman. Okay, cool. 
I bet you were the first. Even Jesus was born as a baby. So you just skipped you that you must you that much of an immortal being that you just skipped childhood and 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 baby like all together and went straight to adulthood. Okay, cool. And people have lost their fight for love, and that's why one of the songs I titled it "Love Fight" because I just think that sometimes we get in such a bad place. That we don't, it ain't even fighting for that person. It's just fighting for the faith that love still exists, which you know it do. But it's like the fight is gone in people. Oh, my heart's broke. You allowed your heart to get broken, but we're not even going to go there today. <laughs> exactly. But it's just don't give up the fight to love yourself, the fight and that discipline that you have to put, those acts that you have to do to love yourself so that you're able to love someone else. Because that's, that's the ultimate love, is just loving yourself, understanding yourself. And even if we put it in scripture, you know, you got to love your neighbor. And we talked about this. I went to a service on Sunday, and we're talking about friendship. But you have to love, and they use the scripture, you have to love your neighbor as yourself. But they stop as you have to love your neighbor. I said the most important part wasn't said. You got to love them as you love yourself. But if you don't understand how to love yourself, how can you love your neighbor? And that's, I think that's the issue in our society that we have lost how to love ourselves or that we need to love ourselves, that it's hard to love other people. So that's why I think the love ball is being dropped in our society. Exactly. Exactly. And when you said the fight for love has been kicked out of people, it's, I swear, I, I have to agree. I have to second you on that one. It's like... People go through one breakup, like men and women go through one breakup or one uh, abusive relationship or marriage and say, oh, I am completely done. I'd rather be single for the rest of my life. And what is that going to accomplish? Remember, remember back in the day when you were so ashamed to be, you know, uh, a grown up living with a bunch of cats or having just a dog to keep you company because you didn't like you feared when you get older you wouldn't have anybody like you, well, remember when we were kids that was our greatest fear of not being married you know when we and not having kids when we get older you know what i mean so um i i can agree with you on that one and i've gone through many breakups and i have my heart broken before and like you said i allow myself to get my heart broken because I knew about these women in the past and I still took a chance on them and, you know, kind of, you know, deserved that heartbreak. But um, not to kick myself, you know, in a behind It's just I had to learn from it. But did I give up on love? No, I did not. You know, I talk about love and relationships all the time on my podcast, you know. And when I'm a guest on other people's podcasts, I, I talk about the same thing. You know what I mean? Because I strongly believe in love. I support love. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I cheer for couples. I cheer for relationships. I cheer for marriages. You know, because love is a beautiful thing. My grandmother, God rest her soul, told me that love is a beautiful thing. Her husband passed away before they even got divorced. They, I mean, they wasn't going to get divorced, but, you know, he passed away first and then he, like, 20, 30, 40 years, 40 years later, he, she passed away. You know what I mean? And they were together their whole, you know, marriage never separated. You know, my uncle, he was a real estate agent and uh, my uncle Greg, he, uh, he's a real estate agent, been married 30 years now. You know what I mean? Never divorced his wife at all. And you go through your ups and downs of relationships and marriages. Not a single day is perfect. Not every day is going to be like a Disney movie. Like, 
So many people have been suffering from the Disney syndrome and can't get their heads out of reality. Like a lot of adults talking about, I'm a Disney fan. I'm a Disney fan. There's nothing wrong with being a Disney fan, but I think that you're poisoning your mind with too much of that because of the simple fact that you're not living in reality. Okay, not every day is blue skies and rainbows. All right. It's going to be days where you feel like walking away from this person. You know, you're going to feel like days where this person isn't supporting your dream. There's going to be days where you feel like, you know, you're putting in a little too much effort or they're not putting in enough effort or vice versa. You know what I mean? And so many people think that, oh, I can achieve this on my own. I can. Yes, there's a lot that you can do on your own with the determination. But I look at it this way and I'm going to sum it up to this. Everything you said you can do on your own. Very few, very few, maybe out of 100 percent of people that say that maybe a good 18 percent of people, maybe a good 22 percent of uh uh, people in some states have actually did what they said they were going to do. Mm. And wow. they haven't accomplished as much. A lot of them haven't accomplished as much as they said they would on their own because they got complacent either at a job or they got lazy and used to being on their own. Or they realized that like now that I've gotten rid of you know, the person that truly loved me and cared about me and wanted my well-being. I'm not talking about people who are in toxic relationships. I'm talking about people who are in healthy, happy relationships and just believe these fake online uh, social media uh, relationship gurus. And they took their uh, advice and turned around, left the person that was good for them. And now they're realizing how miserable they are and they're not getting anything done. And it's so sad to see those people who have kicked the people out of their lives who were really for them. And a lot of times I've seen in relationships and even in some relationships that I've been in, it's like it took me leaving or it took you leaving for me to understand your value. And so I think a lot of times in society, the value is not respected in relationships until the value is no longer gone. And that that's another thing that just breaks my heart. But it's also a lesson that I've learned. So when I see people and they're talking about oh, I don't even know if I want to be married anymore. I don't think I can do this. I said, well, first you need to ask yourself or a question I ask myself is, was I graced to be with this person? Because when you're graced to be with the person, certain things that they do, it's going to bother you, but it's not going to make you want to leave. There's a grace where you can basically handle that person not picking up their clothes off the floor or not taking their plate and putting it in the kitchen or maybe working working a little too late or working a little too too much you're going to be graced to be able to accept those things but again you have to love yourself enough to be confident with yourself or have confidence in yourself and be secure enough in yourself to deal with the mate like that I don't, I need time. I need you to spend all this time with me. But then you want them to work 12 hours and then you want them to go on a family vacation, but that has to be paid for. So they need to work, but you want all this time, which goes with that Disney theme. You have to be realistic about what you want and communicate and compromise. And then again, do what's best for you in your relationship and stop trying to look at all these other relationships and how they work. Yeah. It's good to draw from them, but it's also good to make the old, your plan, with your mate or what y'all got. Exactly. Exactly. I think that some people need to go back to, you know, turn to the successful marriages and relationships 
that are still around today, you know, if you have a friend of yours or a coworker or a family member or a cousin or a best friend or a neighbor who has a successful marriage and, you know, and has a successful relationship, you know, get some advice from them. Find a book, find a relationship or dating book and sit down and read these things. Matter of fact, you want the best relationship book, go into the word of God, get into the Holy Bible. And the, the wisdom is there. It's in the scriptures. You know what I mean? And turn off the TV for once. Turn off social media. Turn off like TikTok and all that and all these relationship goals, videos, because when you really cut off the camera, when a lot of these fake, you know, relationship gurus, you cut off the camera, you're going to see that a lot of them aren't happy in the relationships they're in. A lot of them don't want to be with the person that they're advertising all over the Internet. A lot of them, you know, uh, can't stay with one person. And that's funny because I think that the Bible is like the most drama filled book there is. If you like drama, just open the pages. Because one of my favorite stories is Abraham. And sometimes when I'm breaking down stories, I'm like, do y'all realize that Abraham got a whole baby mama and a I'm sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have to uh, go to a commercial break real quick. And we're going to be right back shortly after these messages. Now, what were you saying about Abraham? So what I was saying about Abraham was that basically his life wasn't perfect. He had a baby mama. He had a wife. They had issues. But they didn't leave each other. And most importantly, they consulted God about their issues. And with people who are actually believers, that's one thing that I think we also need to go back to. And I, I kind of get talked about for this. I actually had somebody to stop talking to me today <laughs> because of this reason. But I'm going to consult God in anything that I do. And because I'm a believer. So if there is an issue with me being a believer within a relationship and they're in my head, there's no room for a relationship because I want to be with someone who I can pray with, who I can say, you know, I, I had this dream or I had, I have this prophecy or I have this vision and they understand my spirit. I need our spirits to link. And that just goes to being equally yoked, not being perfect, but just being on the same page, especially about what matters to me the most, which is my relationship with God. Amen. Exactly. And my thing is like to uh, uh, to reiterate on what you said earlier, I got to agree. Abraham did have a baby mama. And I didn't look at it that way, you know, until you just said something like I never, I, I looked at it as she was the maiden. And it always, you know, um, it always described her as the maid, you know, in the word of God and the one child that was born of the promise and one that was born of the world. And I never look at it, you know what I mean? Because I, I try I, I try to look at it from, you know, a righteous, holy perspective. You know, um, they uh, they viewed the side piece. Technically, she was a side piece. Yeah, she's <laughs> they, baby mama. Yeah, she's then ba you have the issues that came in. You got your, and this is how I dig in the Bible, because I have to put it in my own, how I can relate to it in my life because this, if there's no application of the word that's being placed in my life then what's the point of the word you know what i'm saying i need to be able to apply it and so it's like i know 
that his son had to feel some type of way. You done kicked my mama out the camp and me out the camp. You got some daddy-son issues. <laughs> then you got some feuding between women about men. Do it sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and those are some of the same things. And then, as I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna talk about us, but I'm gonna talk about us because I'm gonna be honest. Women cause a lot of issues because we're not patient and we like we're controlling and we like to run things and you know we're pouty and whiny and we want to push our men to do things. Oh, well, baby, go ahead and take that job. That's a hundred thousand dollars a year. But then you complain about them being gone all the time. Now you want to push Abraham. Go ahead, you know, we, we tired of waiting on God. We need a baby. Go ahead and sleep with her. And then we want to go back to God. God, bring my husband home. He's been working all day and I'm lonely. She want to go back to God. Oh, God, I can't stand this lady in the camp. Her and her son got to go. You know, so it was it's those same issues that happened in the Bible that's happening now. So, and those are the things that we're supposed to learn from. Exactly. Exactly. And just like I said, like you said, it just imagine, if you will, being an audience in that situation, Abraham, the friend of God, the man of God, awesome man of God that he that he that he was, and he's you know that he still is in heaven. But he, all right, all right, Lord, forgive me for thinking this way, Father God, please forgive me. It said that he will be the father of many nations, and that we are sons of Abraham. I'm like, all right, and this, it, just touching on what you just said, I'm like, oh man, did he go and ah? He said that, he, and it says in the Word of God that he will have descendants as many as numerous as the stars. So, yes. and I'm like, to touch on that, you know, not to put any worldliness in the Word of God, not at all. We're not going to disrespect the Word of God like that. But she, like I said, she really was a side piece. No one explained that to me growing up. You know, I just saw it as she was the 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 housemate. You know, a woman that was there, you know, that Abraham's wife brought in to help her her and Abraham. And like you said, she gave the consent because they got tired of waiting on God's promise. You know, God moves on his time, not ours. God is God all by himself. And he moves on his own time, not ours. His time might be a little longer than ours, but he knows what's best for us. And to sit back to think, to sit back and think. They temporarily opened their marriage so that they could have a baby. And then they fought about the chick and Abraham's wife was like, kick him out. Like, Lord, I want this woman out the house. I'll kick her out. I mean, I want this woman out the house, Mm -hmm. you know, but you invited her in. It was your idea. You know, it's and it sounds like a lot of, you know, especially now, like here in Idaho, you know, where I live, they have there's a lot of people that have open relationships and open marriages if you're into that sort of thing ladies and gentlemen that hey that's that's you that can't be me because i don't like to share at all like there is no way in no under god's uh, under the kingdom of heaven on god's green earth am i going to share my woman with anybody ain't no way uh mm, mm. <laughs> that touched you yeah that <laughs> That one set me off right there. That ain't no way. 
Whole poem. You just wrote a whole poem in your head. <laughs> exactly. Like, whew, Lord, man, bro. I wish I would come home from work and the housekeeper or one of my best friends is sleeping with my woman. Man, I'd, I'd be in jail. We wouldn't even be recording this podcast episode. You'd be getting a collect call like, hey, Cassandra, I'm sorry. We can't do the podcast episode tonight because I'm locked up right now. Like, I give you the rundown and everything. Like, ain't no way. So, to think of it from that perspective, like it sounds like a lot of couples today, mm-hmm. you know, they want to invite a man or woman into the bedroom. And then when that person pleases your mate better than you, ah, then we got a problem. Mm-hmm. And I say to each his own, you know, you have to do whatever, whatever you want to do. But personally, I'm selfish as well. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I can't, I can't do this. And it's, it's been a conversation in certain relationships. I'm like, and I go to thinking, I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. But it was very, very good, healthy um, experiences because it lets me know my boundaries, what I want, what I don't want, and just figuring out me. Like I said, it was a, it was a 20 year journey to figure out me. And then I had to remind myself whose pleasure is more important, whose life is more important, whose peace is more important. It's more important for me to be able to look at myself in the mirror than for me to have to please you in what you desire or what you want. So, no, this this can't happen. This can't go down. I can't share what's supposed to be mine. And I can't belittle myself as a person or as a woman or my character for somebody else's pleasure. Can't. <laughs> exactly. You lose some, but you have to keep you have to keep yourself together, and that's what's most important. That self love. Exactly, and it's like like you said. You know what I mean. And I, I gotta agree, and I gotta second that motion. If you're into that sort of thing, then hey, ladies and gentlemen, hey, more power to you. But if your mate comes at you and be like, "Babe, you know, I was thinking a way to spice up the relationship tonight." And they bring home a coworker. Best believe it was always in their plans to bring home that coworker, whether they was, was going to be with you or not. You know, so to really touch home on this one, honestly, I, I just think that, like I said, I can't speak for everybody, but I really see trouble in open relationships. So, like my ex-fiance, uh, she reached out to me about a, a few weeks ago and asked me for advice. And she was like, her and her her new fiance, her and her new fiance are into an open relationship. And there's this girl that he's been friends with that he introduced my ex-fiance to, my ex-fiance Cassie. He introduced Cassie to and they both, you know, please this girl, whatever. And she wondered what Cassie wondered why her man spends more time with this female than her. I said, well, Cass. And then I stopped. I said, nah, I said, you don't want to hear what I'm talking about. You don't want to hear what I'm talking about. She's like, what? What? I said, as a man, if it's planned to go down in this present it's going down. That's just what it is. It's if the opportunity is there, I say nah. See, no, I say I'm, I'm just going to end it right here because <laughs> I said because you'll get plenty mad 
you'll get plenty mad if I, you know, am truthful as a friend to you, as your ex and as your friend, you'll get plenty mad about what I'm about to say. And she said, no, you know, I don't think that he's going to leave me for her. I said, I think he already made the decision, (sighs) but that's just, you know, her choice. You know what I mean? That's her and her fiance's choice, but it just only breeds contempt. You know what I mean? And, and, and constant problems and mistrust and arguments. And I, I just truly believe that a relationship is between two people and a marriage is between two people. You know, if you aren't pleased in that relationship or marriage, then maybe you need to sit down with your partner or your spouse to sit back and try to work things out or work something out. If not, I think it's time that you guys separate, you know, and you go fly your freak flag and do whatever it is that you want to do until you're pleased or satiated some freaking how, but don't hurt I've seen poly relationships that actually are healthier than just one-on-one relationships. So I, I have a, and I say a vast of friends, diversity is one of my favorite words. Mm-hmm. So I think it depends on the person, the mindset, you know, what they want, where they stand, their character, their boundaries. But from me, for me, for personally, and of course for you, because you've made it really clear some people, we're just not built for it. And that's where I go with some people are grace for things and some people aren't. I can't do it. <laughs> I, can't. Yeah. I can't do it because I'm selfish. And yeah, I'm a little traditional in that sense. So no, it's a no. It's a no for me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll take no for $35. You know, I'll, <laughs> like, I'll take no for $35, Alex. Ain't no way. Um, um, I, I just, I don't know. I'm jealous in that aspect too, because I'm very traditional myself as you know, as a gentleman and you know as a man. I believe in dealing with one woman in multiple ways versus dealing with multiple women. It's I don't know. It's it keeps a mess from getting started. You know how my grandmother used to say, um, because when you're trying to please so many people, you're str- not only stretching yourself thin. You know, you don't have the time for yourself mentally. You don't have the time for your relationship or your spouse. You know, you're, you you got to make time and, you know, uh, and you got to build a relationship with this third wheel and you got to get to know their family and friends, you know, if it's strings attached. But if it's no strange, strings attached, then it's just a one time or two time fling or whenever we want to hook up. But at the same time, my thing is, why are you hooking up with this individual if you tell the world that, hey, me and my mate are extremely happy together. You know, we're very happy. We're perfectly happy together. If you're perfectly happy, what's the point of this third wheel? And one thing that I found out about myself when it comes to relationships, like I already know that I want my future forever. I want my person in my life. That's just my person. I don't expect perfection, but I do expect them to be, you know, loyal. I expect them to communicate well. I have this whole list on my wall that I read in my affirmations of what I want my future forever to look like. So once I, I now that I know what I want, how them, how I want them to be in my life and how I want to be in their life, it really, when I tell you it really helps, it helps to a whole nother 
degree. <laughs> so I think that once you have that understanding of who you want and have that understanding with that person, if you've already found them, all that other stuff is just going to be weighed out. So it really boils down to understanding. And in my eyes, it really boils down to understanding and understanding what you want. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost just simplicity. And I, I kind of hit on that in my book about how we make love so complex and it's so simple. It's very, very, very simple. And we make God so complex when he is complex, but he's also simple. The simplicity of a seed that makes a tree grow. But it's magnificent that a tree can actually grow from this little seed. So just how I look at nature and how I view my spirituality, I've incorporated a lot of that in how I view my relationships and how I review love and how I view romantic love. And even just being able to incorporate that into poetry, into music, into into flowetry, into my writing. So it it all just kind of combines together from that little foundation of understanding and knowing what you want. Awesome. Awesome. And I, I highly agree. And I, I gotta, you know, um, like we, we, we're hitting a lot of points here and I gotta agree with you. You know what I mean? That communication is the most vital, the most vital element of any relationship. I did seven elements that makes a relationship successful. I did that, you know, about two years ago, I believe it's, I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah. In 2021, I made seven different podcast episodes speaking about the seven elements that makes a relationship work. Each episode was a different element. One was communication. One was trust. One was love. And one was uh, uh, patience. Patience is another thing. Like That's why a lot of people today said that I'd rather be single forever because they don't have the patience. Amen. Somewhere along the lines of life and time, we we became impatient. We live in a microwave society where everything is, has to be instant. You know, change has to be instant. Uh, uh, success has to be instant. You know, that partner that you want, they have to be instantly successful. You know, they have to make seven to ten figures for y'all to be, have a happy life together. When did money become such a focus? over love itself. Back in the day, in the early 2000s, you could find couples who were broke together. I'm not saying it's good to be broke, but I'm just saying, like, they were broke together, and they build an entire empire today. A lot of those couples are successful because they slept in cars together. They were homeless on the streets together. They were staying with their aunts together. They were staying with their cousins or friends or co-workers together. And I think it's weird. I was having a conversation. Someone asked me out, and they were just really talking about how much money they have. And I was like, hold on, wait a minute, stop. <laughs> so let me tell you this. So I'm not impressed by money. I said, because money comes and money goes. I said, what I am impressed by, one thing that I do look for is, do you have the hustle to create wealth? Not just create money, but to create wealth and prosperity. If you have that hustle, that's that's good. But you can have a top paying job, you're making all this money and your job closed down, now you don't have a hustle to keep up what you what you once had. I need that hustle. <laughs> I need you to be able to create some wealth. Can we plant some seeds and make this garden grow if we don't have food to buy from the grocery store? 
what are you capable of? Those are the qualities that I'm looking for, not this money that you're trying to throw at me because I'm not impressed by that, by no means. And I think that so many women have looked to, oh, well, what can I gain from this situation? That when um, men meet someone like me, that's like, I'm not interested in your money, I'm interested in your mind, it's hard for them to accept. And then they go into the fear, what does she really want from me? No, I really want to communicate with you. (laughs) I really want to get to know you as a person. And I really want to make sure you have some hustle because I'm a hustler. I know how to create things, but I also need you to do your part. I need you to be able to produce and I need to be able to reproduce because that's what I was, what I was created to do. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I had the same conversation with a, with, a, with a female friend earlier today. She's dating this one guy and um, he, you know, asked her out. They went out to dinner, you know, about a few weeks ago. She was telling me that she wasn't after his money. You know, he has his own business and um, he's very successful for a young man and he has no kids or anything like that. And she asked him, you know, what is it that he requires of her and he he laid it all on the table and she was like well you know she believes in being a housewife faithful honest respectful pleasing submissive to him and at the same time focus on her own you know dreams and goals and building an empire together and that kind of scared him in a sense because he was like whoa where do you come from you sound like a fairy tale i can't you know he cut her off blocked her and all that for like a day or two until he looked he said she said that he looked on her facebook and went through all this to make sure she wasn't some type of scammer and when he realized that she wasn't a scammer they you know started slowly talking everything like that and you know they're dating now but he it, it kind of shocked him and as a man that would shock me too because we're so used to a woman saying how much do you make what type of career do you have you know what do you have in your life that can, that 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 shows that you have that type of wealth and if we can't provide that it's on to the next who either has it already or is getting it and that's so unfair to women like us like being your friend <laughs> it's like we catch the the short end of the stick because of because we're genuine and we're authentic and it's like okay and I I found that it's, it is is a lot of men who are just fearful about that I'm like why are you fearful for me being honest but again that goes back to self evaluation and so a lot of times I've found within the last two situations with dating I don't even tell people what I do. One person just told me straight up, <laughs> they were like, I don't think you have time for me. And I said, well, that you you assume that, not even knowing that I have incorporated whomever in my life already. But you assume because of my resume or you see I do this or you see me here, you see me there. You don't know how I plan my day. Organizational management is what my degree is in. I know how to organize my life. I know how to organize a movie night or a date night. Or to say, hey, I know how to put you in my planner as a part of my day. Okay, at 12 o'clock, I'm having lunch with my bae. <laughs> mm-hmm. 12 to 3, don't nobody talk to me. I'm going to turn this phone off like I'm in a meeting because you're going to be my priority at that time if we're dating. Now, if we're in a relationship, of course, it's going to be a little different because our communication is going to be different. And if we're in a marriage, then that's a whole nother ball game. Of course, I'm going to make time because we're going to be on a whole nother level. Oh, it's, it's a little unfair to us. <laughs> um, I would have to tell you it's a little unfair to us. 
Oh, yeah. And my thing is this, like, uh, you mentioned time management, and that's another thing that a lot of people don't work on is time management skills. To make a relationship successful, you have to have time management skills. You can't be around your mate 100% of the time. You have to be out hustling. You got to, you know, have a hustle, a side hustle, a business, a job. No matter what type of income you have, you got to have something. You can't just be around each other 100% and think that this Disney-esque life, it's going to build itself. You know what I mean? You have to be willing to be out and about building an empire together with your mate. You know what I mean? And you got to make that time, you know, when it arrives, you know, when it arises, you have to make that time for your mate. You know, like you said, from 12 to about three, you know, that's time for your mate or 12 to one or 12 to two, however you plan it. That's time for you and your spouse. And I, like there are successful, rich people who do the same thing. They make time for their children. They make time for their spouses. You know, don't think that they don't. Don't think Jeff Bezos don't make time for his woman. Don't think that, uh, uh, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Warren Buffett doesn't make time for a woman if he's dating a woman or married to a woman. You know, don't think that um, Bill Gates don't make time for, you know, a woman he may be dating and everything like that. Or make time for his family. What happened? I said, Bill Gates, his wife was like there through the whole process. They worked together. Exactly. From the ground up, from when he was making PCs in the garage. Mm-hmm. I love their story. I Bill Gates is one. He's somebody that I really study. <laughs> I love their story. They are, even with building their company, their love story is, pretty, is really interesting. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and that's the thing. A lot of couples, a lot of people, a lot of single men and women, if you speak to them today, you'll ask them straight out. Oh, what is it that you desire in a man? What is it you desire in a woman? Men will say, oh, I want a woman who can cook, clean the basic average, you know, stuff that a woman, you know, normally does on her own. And I don't want to hear that. Oh, I don't cook. I don't clean. Yes, you do. You keep your apartment clean. You cook when you need, you want something to eat. You don't always DoorDash food and you don't, you don't always eat at McDonald's because everything so dang on high with this inflation. I doubt you're at McDonald's drive through making it rain every day. Otherwise, you would be out of shape. You would have diabetes. Listen, eating McDonald's every day if you want to and tell me you won't have a normal blood pressure level. Ain't no way. So you cook, you clean. And especially if like if you have kids, you're going to clean your place. You're not going to keep it dirty. But like you ask a woman what she want from a man, like a lot of single women today, what do you want from a man? They be like, well, he has to have this. They have to have that. He has to have material, a materialistic wealth of some sort. And like both men and women, I'm not going to side with men. I'm not going to side with women. Both men and women, they see things in this generation. They see things so unrealistically. Yes. It's hilarious. Like, it's like watching a sitcom. It's like watching people date on an episode of Friends. Like, I'm like, oh, my goodness, really? Ah, dang, damn it. Like, is this reality or is it TV? Where is the cameras at? Like, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's really crazy. But I honestly, I don't watch a lot of TV for that reason. And I, one thing I do is I notice how I'm feeling. You know, what has happened in your life today? What do you need to let your gates look at and not look at? What's going to, you know, kind of 
tangle or push at your emotions or pull at your emotions. Do you need to be watching this sad movie when you're sad? No, you need to be turning on some happy music so that you can get in a different place. It's, it's good to feel, but it's also good to heal and understand how to heal. Understand, you know, what to watch, what not to watch, where to go, where not to go. And so I think a lot of times in society today, it's like, oh, I'm sad. I'm going to watch chick flicks and eat ice cream. Not me. <laughs> I am going to go and be around some of the happiest people ever. And that's why a lot of people don't know when I'm hurting. Because I always, I always tell people, and I practice it myself, more importantly, I always do the opposite of how I'm feeling. If I'm feeling sad, then I'm going to do something happy. If I'm feeling depressed, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to do something that's going to push me out of my depression. If I'm feeling fear, I'm going to speak faith. Like, I'm always going to try to do the opposite to get myself back into a place where I'm mentally stable so that I can push forward. And that's hard for a lot of people to do. But I always tell people all the time, and I tell my children this, watch what you put into your gates, your eye gate, your ear gates, what you're looking at when I'm, when I'm saying gates, you're, what you're looking at or what you're listening to when you're in certain moods, because that can really keep you in that mood and put you in a deeper place that's harder to get out of. Amen. Exactly. And I was just having this conversation with uh, my uh my buddy, you know, who I used to, I used to work at Walmart with in Burley. And he was telling me that, you know, he started really feeling some type of way because, you know, he was listening to old school hip hop music and he started really, you know, cause he's a man of God too. And uh, he said, he started treating his coworkers differently. He was always angry, you know, and that came from listening to Easy E and gangster rap and all that other stuff. And I'm like, he was like, bro, I, I just can't do it anymore. I can't, you know, deal with this gangster rap. I want to think better. I, like, I want to be careful what I put in my ears, what I see on TV, you know, what I watch on YouTube and all this other stuff. And I'm like, bro, that's exactly, exactly what we need to do as a society. And like you said or just now, you, you got to be willing to uh, protect your gates, you know, you got to be willing to protect your gates because if you don't, then you can think anything, you could feel anything and you don't want to feel just anything. You don't want to think just anything. And uh, sorry about that. <laughs> the audio got disconnected. But anyway, I was saying that uh, a friend of mine, he told me that he didn't want to, you know, listen to that type of music anymore. You know, he didn't want to, you know, uh, feel that negative attitude and that negative vibe anymore, that negative attitude, you know, and then he said, I want to be careful about what I put in my ears, what I see on TV, what I watch on YouTube. And like you said, you know, I want to reiterate on what you just said. I'm, like, I'm glad you're throwing this knowledge at, at me because I'm bouncing right back out off of it. And people today are not protecting their eyes. They're not protecting their ears. You know, if no. you have, Lord, forgive me for saying this. If you have sex with someone you don't know, are you going raw or are you going to wear protection? You're going to wear protection. If you're going to the gun range to shoot a gun, if you're going to the gun range to shoot a gun, you're not going to sit back and not wear ear protection or step into a blizzard without, you know, earmuffs. You're going to protect your ears. So the same thing applies to our daily lives. You know, when we're feeling sad, don't watch something that's going to make you sad. Don't listen to something that's going to make you sad. 
you know, my perfect example of this, like when I was depressed about two weeks ago and a song by Plaz, he put out in 2008 or 2007 called Somebody Loves You. And um, he used a sample from, uh, I think, Anita, what's her name? Mm -hmm. I'm familiar with the song, yes. Yeah, like, yeah, like, and that came on, and that was my grandmother's favorite song, Anita Baker's Somebody Loves You. And she used to sing it to me when I was a kid and I was depressed, you know, and I just started getting down. I'm talking about crying, bawling. And I thought to myself, why am I even listening to this type of music, man? Like, wow, like, I want to be happy. You know, I I, I want to be uplifted in my spirit. So I went from listening to that and I put on how great is our God. And I just started feeling uplifted in my spirit, just glorifying God Almighty, glorifying Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and glorifying God and thanking him for my life, thanking him for the day. And like that sadness was removed. And I started listening to lo-fi music that put me in the happy mood, you know, uh, early 2000s hip hop um, and R&B. I was listening to uh, Jack, um, <coughs> Rough Edge. No, what is it? What's the name of that song? Rough Ends. Sorry, I listened to, I meant Jagged Edge. I listened to Jagged Edge and Rough Ends. I was listening to Rough Ends is Somebody to Love You and thinking about the good old days in, in R&B. You know, and one song that I could, uh, one artist that I could not listen to for about six years was Monica. I used to listen to Monica all the time as a teenager, and when I was transitioning and building, every time I would listen to Monica, I would get depressed. I had to turn her off. And one way that I measured my healing was when I could listen to songs in my now that I couldn't listen to in my past. And they didn't make me feel away. I'm like, oh my God, I'm healed. <laughs> you know, I'm not feeling away anymore. When I listen to this song, I'm not thinking about this person. When I'm listening to this song, like I am really healed in the area that made me excited when I could simply just listen to Monica without having an outpouring of emotions. So that was like a big turning point for me. So the power of music and poetry and writing and just being able to measure out your your growth from those things those 90 songs and taking you back to your grandma your you know my grandparents all together i just ran across a um, video of my grandpa on my and i posted on my facebook but just you know being able to listen to those songs without grief and actually just remember and remembering from a standpoint of i remember this but i see where i am now and i'm thankful and I'm not there anymore. Amen. Exactly. Exactly. And I used to listen to a lot of Monica songs back in the 90s, too. Like, Before You Walk Out of My Life, This Is Why I Love You So Much. What? Like, For You, I Will is one of my favorite Monica songs. What? But listen to the lyrics to those songs. And that's another thing. I started dissecting lyrics, and I'm like, that's suicidal. Oh, she crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, was I really speaking this? <laughs> you know? And that was one of the reasons that I had to stop listening to those things. And I even had to stop watching Lifetime, Lifetime movies. And it was just, it was putting different things in my head. It was bringing certain 
things in my certain things in my spirit. I was allowing it to just get in my spirit and in my mind, and I was acting on it. I would be crying or couldn't get, get over somebody. Baby, that shows my I love you so much. No, I don't really love you. I'm just infatuated with the feeling of you now that I understand what love really is. And that wasn't it. Mm-hmm. That wasn't it. Yeah, because I used to listen to Drake's brand new back in the in the mid two thousands. Like when he came out with that that uh that song, like is anything I'm doing brand new, brand new, brand new. Tell me if this is brand new. That song, like, oh my goodness. I was in high school. I went through a breakup so bad. And I used to listen to that song. It used to make me cry so dang. <laughs> I'd be in my room in the dark, listen to that song. Like, and then like, cause I had a Drake mixtape on and that song would come on. And after that city is mine was come on. He like city is mine. What? T R O N T O D R A K E. That's me. Like, I'm like, wait, how did my, my mood just shift all of a sudden? And it was not just the beat. It was just, it was an upbeat song. City is mine is an upbeat song. And Brand new is one of those sad songs, you know, him talking about a female, you know, him talking to a female about, you know, buying her roses, taking her on dates. Is this new to you? You know, have you been through this before? You know, uh, the last guy you were with, you know, how do I compare to him? You know, it's all it was all about Drake not like feeling good enough at that time for this female. And I had to like really stop listening to that song. I'm like, bro, ain't no way, man. Ain't no way I'm going to sit back and ask a chick, is, you know, we at Applebee's, is any of this brand new? You know, <laughs> like, come on, it's Applebee's. Like, of course she's been here before, you know? So, it, it, like, a lot of people don't decide. Huh? I said, look how he evolved in his music. And that just goes again to that measuring stick, just measuring your growth through your lyrics. When I go back and I was I was actually reading some of my older music tonight and um <laughs> and I was listening to I was just listening or reading the lyrics and I'm like, oh my God, this was so stupid. Why did I write this? But it wasn't <laughs> stupid at the time. But I'm thinking, okay, I'm 14, I'm so in love and I'm having these feelings and emotions and um that's just what came out. But now I look at those lyrics like, I would never sing this or record this because I was having a moment. That's, that's just not where I am anymore. But then I've written some timeless things. I can go back and it doesn't matter if I'm probably 20 years from now, I can still go back and I can still relate to those lyrics. So I have some lyrics that's still relatable to the times and there's some lyrics that's, yeah, I was definitely 14 when I wrote this. <laughs> Oh yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing, like we grow as we get older, you know what I mean? And it, it's not just grow as in you know, body, we grow mentally, we grow emotionally, we grow spiritually. And we got to you know, measure ourselves, we got to see the growth, you know what I mean? Be thankful for the growth. You know, there's a few poetry pieces I wrote just, you know, last year versus now, you know, when I went through a breakup last year, and I was in the dark space for about a good two, three months. And then when I climbed up out of it and I read it, I was like, why did I even write this? I'm not even going, I'm not going to perform this on the podcast. Ain't no way. <laughs> like I ended up deleting a couple poetry pieces, you know, all over a woman who I let break my heart, you know? So 
Yeah, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. But anyway, um, I thank you, Miss Hassandra, for joining us. That's all the time we have for today. Um, you want to tell the people, the all all the amazing listeners, where they can find you. So the best place to go is www.hassandra.me. And you will be able to go to any of my social media Anything that I have going on can also be found on my website in product. You can purchase the book there. So all at Hassandra.me. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, most definitely look out for that that new track on March 8th by Hassandra Smith. It's going to be awesome. It's awesome. What's the name of that project? Once again, let the listeners know. It's going to be Freedom. That's released on March 8th. <laughs> awesome. And uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us tonight here on the Poetry Corner Podcast. I do apologize to the lovely Miss Sandra Smith, and I apologize to all you amazing listeners because of the simple fact that this episode was supposed to be released yesterday, and there was a lot of hecticness that surrounded yesterday. But um, I thank you all for joining me tonight. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you all for joining us. I thank you, Sandra, once again for blessing us with your presence, blessing us with that wisdom and blessing us with some new poetry. You want to read something off before we, you know, log off for the night. Okay. Um, yeah, here. I am going to read quickly here. I'm going to read a part of my book. It's the, it's the intro. I'm sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. We're about to go to a commercial break here in about a few seconds. We'll be back, y'all, with the poetry performance by the lovely Hassandra Smith. Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Poetry Corner Podcast. This is your host, Matt Foster, joined by the lovely Hassandra Smith. And uh, she's about to read a very special poetry piece for us all tonight. So I hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy as we get into the poetry performance. Let's get, let's get into it. Unattached at 36. As I look back at my 32-year-old response, I can't help but pinpoint the underlying tones of hurt projected through my release. It's astonishing to me how four years ago, what I considered wisdom, I now perceive as a mere elementary mindset. Four is a very powerful number. The number four is associated with self-expression and self-fulfillment. The number four also represents the maturity and stability of the mind. Within these last four years, I have been, I have begun to express myself even more, allowing self-fulfillment to become a part of my everyday expectations. One year has four seasons. In four years, four cycles of seasons. I have, dis- I have discovered within myself a deeper meaning of what love really is. I now understand that only I hold the key to expressing real love on my journey. This love journey has brought me back to a familiar space. It's brought me back to a position of understanding how simple love really is, yet how complex I've made it to be. It's brought me back to a place of joy and to a position of peace. This love journey has brought me back to the truth, which is to be loved, I must first 
fall in love with me. I took this knowledge and ended the cycles of seasons that no longer serve my life. I ended the cycle of hurt, disappointment, rejection, blame, grief, silence, harvesting of feelings, negative energy, doubt, fear, and any other emotion that has hindered me from becoming a better me. I was overthinking love. I was overthinking myself out of being myself and I was over it. Today, I am so thankful for my journey and that I have decided to be unattached from my attachment. Daily, I remind myself that to, uh, that to obtain who I want, I must first understand and become who I am. I am Hassandra, and this is my final season. I am unattached and transitioning into the birth of Hassandra, the authentic me. That's awesome. That's awesome. The lovely Miss Hassandra Smith, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, I thank you all for tuning in tonight. Once again, uh, I just want to give a round of applause to the lovely Hassandra Smith. And uh, thank you for just blessing us with your presence tonight and uh, just blessing us with that poetry piece. Uh, man, whew, that was the fire that we needed tonight. And uh, anyway, I uh, thank you all for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you all have a beautiful and blessed evening. Take care. Good night. And God bless.